The main bull sale in Scotland has always been centralised around Perth, which for our friends who maybe don't know the geography of Scotland is pretty much halfway between Edinburgh and Aberdeen. The original Perth bull sales were started in 1865 and have been running for 158 years. The sale is now run by United Auctions and it actually moved to United Auctions headquarters in 2012 when it was renamed the Stirling Bull Sales, but many people still remember the older days back in the old market in Perth. So let's go back and look at the beginnings of the Perth Bull Sales. The first bull sale on record was in 1865 and contained a consignment of shorthorn bulls, mainly from Colonel Williamson's lawyer's herd. Some info I cribbed off the Scottish farmer, thank you. The original mart was at Horse Cross at the bottom of Mill Street, which would have been near the crossing over the Tay. And this recently has been excavated to find that it was actually a medieval castle back then, which was destroyed by floods in 1209. So it really is a historic site. And uh, now it's uh, actually the home of a well-recognised music venue, the Perth Concert Hall. The top price at the sale was 39 guineas and the average price was 14 guineas. And if you can trust uh, conversions on the internet, this equates to approximately two to 3,000 in today's money. The auctioneers of the time were called MacDonald Callum and then a young John Fraser joined the firm in the early 1860s. When he ended up becoming partner in the firm, the name changed to MacDonald Fraser, uh, which it stayed for well over a century. And Fraser had seen the potential and perhaps the need for the main bull sale to showcase the best breeding animals. And he worked hard to canvas the Angus breeders to also contribute to what became a multi-breed sale. The event soon outgrew its venue and a new mart was built at Caledonian Road in 1875, which is uh, near the Waverley Hotel, those that, uh, that know that one. And uh, whereas Horsecross was on the river to allow stock to travel by boat, the new mart would back onto the railway station, of course, opening up travel from throughout the country for both bulls and buyers. It also allowed a lot of overseas buyers access to these important genetics. One of the earliest recorded exports would be to Senator M.H. Cochrane, who ran a large commercial outfit near Calgary in Canada. And uh, he took nine bulls in 1881, and then he subsequently wrote to the Scottish authorities singing their merits uh, in a year later in, in, a, in a very special letter. Although it's not exactly sure what breeds those bulls were, the, the firm kept seed stocks of Hereford, Shorthorn and Angus there in Canada. Another early buyer would be Donald McLennan from Argentina, who would maybe be a, a couple of years later. But soon Perth would become a mecca for Argentinians seeking genetics and breeding for their expanding operations there in, in South America. And prices, of course, were paid accordingly and everybody uh, wanted to sell a bull to an overseas buyer. By 1886, 72 bulls were catalogued at Perth with a top price of 45 guineas and an average of 21 guineas. And this had risen by 1891 to 160 shorthorn bulls and 116 Angus bulls offered in, in the main sale, which was held in the spring. And with the, just the sheer numbers after that, the sale was split into two separate weeks in, in 1892, which included a show and sale. Back then, most farmers carved in the spring, so the spring sale was important to buy young bulls, and many of them were not much over a year old. 
in that next sale, 286 Angus were catalogued, overtaking the number of 242 Shorthorns who were in the sale a week later, just running into March. The pre-show sale that was added to the animals would be judged on the street in Caledonian Road itself, and one guesses traffic wouldn't have been a problem back then. Potential buyers and, and the general public of Perth could watch proceedings forming a human circle, a practice which continued on into the 1950s. The later autumn sale wouldn't be added for a while, but for a number of years, but when it was finally added in October, it would mainly be for females, certainly to start with uh, anyway. Um, both breeds, Shortons and Angus, would vie for record prices and record averages year on year, and they'd all be seeking those headlines. In the Shortons, it would be the likes of William Duthie from Collini and uh, the famous Amos Cruikshank of Citadon that would uh, dominate the sales by the turn of the century, along with Sylvester Campbell from Kinella, and all these guys had already been top of their breed for a number of decades. From 1900 to 1904, W. Flat of Ontario imported over 300 shorthorns, so huge numbers going overseas. such as Whitehall Sultan, who was out of a female bred by J. Dean Willis of Bapton Manor, would go on to put a backbone in the growing genetics in the USA. As time went on, the herd of Bapton would find fame around the world as well as at home. Most of the best bulls would start leaving the shores within a decade, and, and by 1920, exports of shorthorns peaked, with 2,589 shorthorns leaving the shores. There'd be some, a lot of leading prices at the time, and, and records would be broken. Meanwhile, in the Angus, by the beginning of the Perth sale, it would be towards the end of the reign of the stalwarts of Hugh Watson at Keeler and William McCrombie of Tillyfor. Both probably would have dispersed their herds by then, but both were founders, of course, of the breed. But possibly by that time, George McPherson Grant of Ballandalek would be at the top of the tree and another great stalwart that did a fantastic job at the sales. But until the birth of the Perth Bull sales, purchases would have been made privately and Ballandalek did hold its own reduction sales on farm, certainly well into the 1870s, so they would take a bit of persuading to get them to the sale. And as better breedings made their way to the new sale, eventually he'd be bound to visit there if only to purchase new bulls. And this soon gave way to J. Ernest Kerr at Harveston, who I think started his herd in 1903 or 4, and he went on to rule the breed for nearly half a century. And Kerr holds so many records at the sale that the list is very long. Joanna Erica of Seafield, number 36285 in the Angus Herd Book, was bought at Perth for 135 guineas after winning her class in 1905. And he also bought Prince of Wassel in the same sale for 300 guineas, so he's already putting his money out there. But Erica went on to produce six branches of the Erica family, all from that prince. And uh, that put the backbone in not only the Harveston herd, but uh, many other herds as well, and as well as exporting bulls such as Evro to Canada and Jolly Eric to Argentina, but it was the females that uh, everybody wanted and, and still do, and that great line of Erica females still, uh, still exists to this very day. 
a bull called Elect of Balandanak was uh, was also bought for Harveston, and he was by Delamere, who was the same sire as the Prince of Wassel. So he went back on his on his daughters, pretty much, or his, his, his cousins, should I say, and uh, in, in a great show of line breeding, which again took uh, Harveston much to the top. More stock sires at Harveston were added from Balandanak, and one which cost a record price of two thousand eight hundred guineas in nineteen o nine. Although. Uh, Kerr also sold a bull called Harveston Emblem for the same price in that year, so uh, that's another record we see going. Uh, and he carried on. In 1928, eight of his bulls topped the average at the sale at 411 guineas. In fact, uh, J. Kerr was so prolific that during the 22 years from 1917 to the start of World War II, bulls from Harveston racked up 19 first prizes at Perth, as well as four more championships, three reserves, three record prices numerous uh, cups and, and a cup for the best three bulls and Harveston sent a, a constant supply of top genetics around the world from Perth. And yet more impressive still were his later periods which I could run on and on and on. The subsequent period when a further 23 first prize were achieved along with seven more championships and seven top prizes and three breed records were broken from 1940 to 1956 and the tally eventually from Harveston at Perth would bring 17 supreme champions and 42 first prizes with a herd that rarely exceeded 30 females. It's, uh, it's no wonder that J.E. Kerr would be hailed by many as one of the greatest breeders of all time. Meanwhile, the Shorthorns would be having their say there as well, and, and from 1903 to 1909, 8,500 Shorthorns were exported all around the world. One of the main men in this camp would have been the Matthew Marshall and his son Bertie from Stranraer, and from small beginnings, Bertie ended up farming no less than eight farms along the Galloway coast, and the herd numbered up to a thousand head. In one three-year period, he registered over a thousand calves in the Coast Herd Book, so hugely prolific uh, man. And he ran two other prefixes as well, Krugelstone and Bridgestone, because he said he just ran out of names to, to run them all in one herd. But he spent quite a bit of time in Argentina, even travelling there by boat himself as a young man and then and then he got into to starting exporting bulls himself so uh, Bertie would be a huge player in and around Perth market and, and the name of Stranraer would be uh, would be massive around about that uh, that time other beef breeds such as the uh, Galloway and the uh, Hereford would have their own sales elsewhere in the country but they would still have representations particularly at, uh, at the Perth Bull sales on a regular basis. Animals that went around the world, the likes of John Lowe Thompson would be one of the first to pitch Angus into Australia, and Messrs Holmes being responsible for the early exports to New Zealand. And there were a lot of exporters about the likes of James Sidey and Hugh Black. They, they sent 300 heifers to Uruguay in, in 1919. Possibly not all bought at the market, but uh, very often some of these would be, would be sourced round and about, and the best ones picked up at the market. Moving on it, into the war years, 1945, Cal Rossi Pybrock went to Argentina through uh, another exporter, James Schofield, and that was for 6,000 guineas. And Perhaps the most famous and respected exporter of them all was the great Mowbray Alexander, an Irishman with a great eye for cattle who lived in the west of Scotland and insisted very often on travelling with his animals across the Atlantic. 
1948. 20 short on balls at Perth uh, made over four figures for the first time, so the, the trade's picking up. 1946, Pitodri Upright sold to uh, for 14,500 guineas to Ralph Smith in USA, uh, then a record. Bertie Marshall died in 1952, and the Disperser was one of the biggest sales I think that the, the, the Mart ever saw. Um, a massive display where all the cattle were, were shipped up from down in the Galloway coast there by one train load after another. And a lot of records were broken, and, uh, and blood from those three herds went, uh, went all around the world as well as around the country. A famous shorthorn herd that needs a mention, and we did mention it just now, was that of Bapton and uh, the fantastic stockman Gordon Blackstock who was in there managing that. Originally the herd was owned by J. Dean Mills and then bought by Cecil Moores in 1956 and uh, that year in Perth they sold the great bull Bapton Constructor for 15,000 guineas. And then we move into the reign of uh, of Bob Adam in the in the Shorthorns. Uh, not a lot of people know that Bob Adam kept Shorthorns. He broke the record with Glam's Benefactor. That was a little bit later in in 1961 at 16,500 in the Shorthorns. But uh, by that time, it was the Angus that had really started breaking the main records. The period from 1958 through to 1966 will probably always be remembered as the halcyon years for the Aberdeen Angus breed. And trends were moving towards breeding bulls purely for the export market and it's little wonder when you assess the size of the spoils on offer. During the late 50s and throughout the 60s, Robert Adam of Newhouse of Glams was never far from the forefront of the breed. It was said that he knew everybody within the breed and he would sit in the Perth sail ring looking around and pointing at people when they thought there was a bull that came in that might be suitable to their purpose. Not always just selling his own bulls, but always being aware of who bought what and where the decent genetics went and where they could be bought back from. In 1958, Elegance of Charterhouse was the first of three champions at Perth side by Newhouse Edwin Erison. This bull found his way to the, the Mangatro herd in New Zealand, owned by uh, exiled Scott Donald Grant, and uh, he was later sold to the USA. Also in 1958, uh, Bob Adam teamed up with Alan Grant of the Thorn to purchase Juvel Eric of Manor Hill for 12,000 guineas. Uh, a third-class winning bull, but uh, he made a big significance in his herd. And uh, pipping him at 12,500 in the same sale was uh, Erendale of Broadleaves, which went to Little Dean. Newhouse Edwin Erison would repeat his feat the, the following year by siring the, the 1959 Perth champion, this time for the Eastfield herd and owned by a young man named Tom Brewis. In fact, the bull elevator Eastfield was not only champion, but he smashed the breed record by a whopping 8,000 guineas, changing hands at 25,000 guineas to make his way to the USA. John Arnott's Haymount herd was also at the top of their game, selling a mitre of Haymount, who notched up the reserve champion before selling to Stanley and Blue Sky Farms in the USA and going on to become grand champion of the Chicago International and, and various other things as well. 
businessman Harold Samuel from the Witchcross herd was starting to make his impact on the top prices, with Eros of Witchcross going to be stockball at Boots the Chemist's Westrand herd for 9000 while his brother Erden went to Stipe for 12000 Legendary stockman Bert Rugg had been at Harveston and then uh, went to Westrums of, of Boots the Chemist, where he would uh, he would make his mark. But uh, then he would move on to Alan Grant's herd at the Thorn, and it was a bull from their election of the Thorn, one of the first calves sired by Juvel Eric of Manor Hill, that went on to sell for twenty two thousand to Witch Cross. In fact, uh, I remember Bert telling me that the six entries they had in that sale uh, grossed forty six thousand. It wasn't long before Bob Adam was back to the top again, this time with reserve champion Newhouse Dura Eric going to Keith Bromley's Ashley Herd and also shared with Tangiers uh, 28,000 guineas. But then the same day, Newhouse was on the other end of the bidding when they purchased Everill of Wandrell for a new record again at 29,000 guineas, this bull coming from Walter Ross Taylor in the borders. Records were then again to be taken in 1962 when Mrs. Wallace's Candy Craig herd sold the bull Jumboss Eric of Candy Craig for yet another record price, this time at 33,000 guineas. The bull had been a reserve junior champion. And it was just a year later when the most famous bull, Lindertis Evols, went through the sale ring and clocked up a whopping 60,000 guineas, a record that would stay for a half a century. The story of Lindertis of Ols has been told elsewhere on this podcast when we discussed when we discussed Blackwatch Farms, who were the buyer. And Blackwatch Farms it was that came back again the year after in 1964 to pick up the next highest price in history, another one that stood for a long time, and this one at 54,000 for Acedium of Duneside and Blackwatch Farms were back again in 1965 to spend 40000 on another champion, Erisco of Balekin. The same day Newhouse would get their top price to date with Jarvis Eric, who clocked in a, a meagre 34000 However, by 1966, a turn of events changed the course of history when we saw an outbreak of foot and mouth in Britain. The exclusive market of exports to North and South America dried up overnight and the Angus breed was doomed to spiral downhill for quite a while, some of their animals being no longer fit for purpose to serve as commercial sires in the British market. By the late 1960s and early 70s, it became the turn of the continental breeds to start taking centre stage at Perth bull sales. In fact, the sales had by this time had gone back to one week for all breeds. On this week, it would start with the Shorthorn and the Angus and the breed would work its way through with Simmentals, Limousins and culminating with the Charolais breed on the final day, 
Thursday. Prices for Charolais never really started where the halcyon days of the Angus had left off, but they did start to dominate the trade, with bulls starting to make into five figures on a regular basis. Even the great breeders like Bob Adam from Newhouse had taken up the mantle with this new Charolais breed. Bob started the records going by buying Fleet's Rascal for 13000 Although plenty of imports of females had come in from France, the demand for bulls was high not just from other breeders, but from the commercial market itself. Commercial farmers had realised that the Charolais could put on a lot more weight than the Angus bulls had been doing recently. Also, the Simmental that came in from Austria and Switzerland had a massive milking capacity, something that again that had been lost in the Angus breed when they were chasing the smaller export markets. Specialist Simmental breeders set up and the prices in that breed certainly started to escalate as pedigree breeders sourced out the best genetics. By the middle of the 1980s, the old market at the Caledonian Road was starting to become very dated. With a bid on the table to level the old mart to build a supermarket, the United Auctions took it upon themselves to build a new market to keep up with the changing times. Yet it was the old market at Caledonian Road had a fantastic atmosphere joined on with its bar directly to the Waverley Hotel where stockmen would revel through the night and yet still go to work in the morning. The glory days of Perth bull sales as we knew it were coming to an end. And so it was in 1989, the last bull sales, that fittingly the top price of a Charolais managed to get itself into the record books when champion bull Mary Director sold to a wealthy businessman down south for 56,000 guineas. From then, a new market was built and opened at Hunting Tower for the next sale, where there was plenty of room for all the bulls to be housed all in one space, with gantries and walkways up over the top of the bulls, making for a spectacular sight. Even then, the sale yard was sometimes a bit too small and marquees would be erected on the side of the building to house the additional animals and somewhere near 2,000 head of bulls would be there to sell during that long and exciting Perth Bull Sales Week. For the next couple of decades, the Perth Bull Sales stayed at that hunting tower site and flourished. However... By 2009, United Auctions had taken it upon themselves to not only build a brand new market on a site just outside of Stirling, but also to move their entire headquarters to that location. And so it was in 2009 that the Perth Bull Sales first moved to the Stirling site. By 2012, the Perth Bull Sales had been renamed as the Stirling Bull Sales, and still it carried on going from strength to strength. 
the spring sale would once again be split into two separate weeks, a couple of weeks apart, where the native breeds in the earlier sale and the, most of the continentals in the later sale. Twice per year, a sale is held, encompassing all beef breeds and still becoming the main sale for Charolais and Scimitar cattle, as well as Angus and Shorthorns throughout the country. Prices continue to grow, demand continues to grow. The Angus breed made its revival, taking over a 30-year period to get itself back to now the number one beef breed in the UK. Prices still continue to dominate in all breeds, and every year expectations is always there for someone to break that next purse bull sale record.